in front of us, but it, it deals with the aspect of when God abandons a nation. I, I heard maybe a couple years ago a message by John MacArthur uh, on, on this subject. And uh, I have urged you recently to, um, to read Romans chapter 1 and, and to be able to distinctly walk through Romans chapter 1 because this is a, a direct passage that deals with the society that we live in. And it is important that we know the times and the seasons that we live in as believers. And as, a, as important as it is for us to know the times and the seasons, um, we need to know God's mind. And in Romans chapter 1, he really gives um, uh, his mind in these matters and we want to look tonight at the progression that that happens. And I just want to begin in verse 18 and read verse 18 through 32 and then look at this. This is um, a very important passage. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, 
but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, he spells out, uh, beginning in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. People would love to tell you that the wrath of God is an Old Testament teaching. But this is the New Testament. And he's speaking about the wrath of God. And he's, he's bringing out this aspect that the wrath of God is revealed and God in His wrath will abandon people to their own ways. In the Old Testament, He abandoned Samson to his own ways. We read the book of Judges. He abandoned the children of Israel to their own ways. And throughout history, it is replete with example after example of God abandoning people to their own ways. Now, He gives us here indicators of abandonment. Three times in this passage, in verse 24, in verse 26, and verse 28, we read, God gave them up. And uh, you see a progression here. In verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. The, the indicators of abandonment, the first indicator is sexual immorality. As he mentions here in verse 24, the, the sexual revolution in the 60s and all the byproducts of that that we have seen in the last 50 years um, has been devastating to marriages, uh, literally smashing and crushing marriages. Uh, child abuse has skyrocketed. The, um, the aspect of, of um, uh, child predators and, and uh, just the, the corruption that is in our society today is, is nauseating even to consider. And God gives them up. When God says to a nation, you're on your own. And one of the first evidences is, is an abandonment of, of morals. Then verse 26, a second indicator, is that they, are, they embrace degrading passions. Notice verse 26. For, God, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is again nature against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat. He gave them up to their own lust, and the first indicator was sexual immorality. The second indicator was degrading passions. That And, and it's interesting, the first thing he mentions is even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Usually because of the nurturing, mothering, protecting instinct of a mother, of women, they are usually the last ones to give in to the, the moral debauchery. But here he mentions at this stage, the, the women even gave up and, and it's a progression. When you throw out God's moral standards, uh, people are devalued, but women in particular are devalued. 
And then, as a result of that, these degrading passions, um, women leave the natural use and men leave the natural use of the woman. And um, we have another indicator that God has abandoned a people. The third indicator, and again, we're, we're quickly moving through this, but I, I encourage you to go back and, and study this passage and read this passage. But the third indicator is found in verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, here's that phrase again, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And in verses 29, 30, and 31, he gives a list of uh, wickedness that is the result of a depraved mind. He gave them over to a reprobate mind. Literally, the word reprobate there means tested and found found useless. Their, their reason is corrupted. Their thinking is crippled. Now, you, you don't have to be very aware... To, to think and see what is going on in our nation, you probably thought, what are they thinking? I mean, they're, they're passing various legislations that it's, it's clearly evident. Nations throughout history that have followed this course have, have followed it to destruction and failure. I mean, some of the just the fiscal decisions that have been made. There's no way that it can possibly work. And you're thinking, where are our minds? And, and um, just recently, the House passed the hate crimes legislation. An effort was made to, to make sure that this did not protect pedophiles. And that was thrust down. It's now going to the, the Senate for passage. And we're thinking, what are we thinking? We have a reprobate mind. God gives us up that we can't even think properly, that it doesn't even make sense. Um, We call it common sense. I think we need to come up with a new name because it's not common. We're just, and he really has given us. Our reason is corrupted and crippled. So we stop back and we say, okay, these are indicators that, that God has abandoned. Why would God abandon a nation? And we want to look at four steps of why the abandonment. Verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold back the truth in unrighteousness. The word there, hold, is to hold back, to suppress the truth and The abandonment comes, first of all, God gives revelation. He has revealed truth. And we're not going to take the time, but he goes on and says, the the creation reveals that there's a God. Wherever there's a design, there had to be a designer. But we suppress the truth. No, you cannot. uh, You cannot believe that there's a God. That's some fairy tale. And we suppress the truth. We suppress the revelation of God. We, as Peter said, are willfully ignorant. No, I choose not to believe that. I think often of Brother Stan Swinney, who is 
now in the presence of the Lord. But um, uh, one of the leading scientists with the NASA uh, Space uh, Commission, and, and he was an avowed atheist. But the more he studied, the more he could not deny that there was a designer. And he came to know the designer And because of that, he had an entirely different outlook on life. But he said, they will will do the research, they will find it, and it doesn't meet with what they have as a preconceived conclusion that there is no designer, and so they'll just throw it out. Well, that can't be right then. And he says they are willfully ignorant. What Peter said, there's revelation, but the truth is suppressed. That you cannot teach the truth. Secondly, then, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. They, they were exposed to the truth. They had the revelation. They suppressed the truth. And secondly, then, they rejected the truth. They they became vain in their imaginations. They knew about God, but they rejected that. They chose not to glorify God. They chose not to give thanks to God because in giving thanks, it shows that He is in existence. He is a designer. And, and so they push down the truth. They reject. They come to a point of rejection where they reject the truth. And then, verse 22, the third step, professing themselves they be, to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So they reject the truth, and then they begin to rationalize. And they say, well, the reason I don't, do, I don't believe this is because of this and this. And they rationalize their own behavior away. Well, there is no God. There are no absolutes. Um, I don't need to worry about that. The purpose of life is self-satisfaction. And um, we call it a new age thinking. It's not new age. It's as old as Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But it's a rationalization. When you reject truth, you have to rationalize in your mind why you're rejecting that. Because the law of God is written on the hearts of man. And so they rationalize away and um, they have excuses. They come up with with these various um, uh, lengthy explanations that are chasing their tails and, and really have no uh, rational um, thinking behind it, but they have determined, this is my box and there is no God in this box. And many of them, there is no God even outside of this box. You call it secular humanism, you call it whatever you want, but it's man at his best and at his worst. And it's a rationalization. Well, then the next step is that they turn to religion. Notice what it said. They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. We were made to worship. 
We were made to worship God. But when you reject truth, when you rationalize it away, then, then you turn. These people are very religious. But it's their own religion of worshiping themselves, of worshiping many gods, or worshiping God in everything. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we kind of joke about the animal rights people and, and things. And, um, but they're really worshiping and serving the creature. Notice what he said. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made light unto corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, wherefore God also gave them up. When, when God sees a people exposed to the revelation of truth, reject it, rationalize their rejection, and then begin worshiping other things, God gives them up, gives them up, and gives them up. So you may be saying, do you believe our nation is abandoned by God? Well, from what you read, how can you not think that? When from what you read, God says, my wrath comes against this. And he said, this is the progression of it. This is the indicators that I have. And he says, I have worked this way throughout all of history. I don't think we as Christians realize the serious, dire circumstances that our nation is in. I mean, think of it, to be abandoned by God. In God we trust. President Obama said recently to, uh, I forget who it was, I think in Turkey, America is not a Christian nation. Well, you know, it, it's one of the truthful things that he said. We aren't trusting in God. We aren't embracing truth. We aren't um, worshiping and desiring the God of Scriptures. And so we'd say, well, is there any hope? Turn to Psalm 81. Psalm 81. And notice we find the same thing. And verse 11, But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up, notice the same phrase, So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of God should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied thee. Notice what God's saying. He says, they, they would none of my ways, so I gave them up to their own heart's lust. And they walked in their own counsels. But God said, if my people had hearkened to me and walked in my ways, 
I would have changed things. I would have subdued their enemies. I would have turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of God would have come and submitted to my people because they would have seen the blessing of God. So God, even in the midst with Israel, when he had abandoned them, he said, there is hope if my people had hearkened unto me and walked in my ways. Now, I'm going to tell you why I, and let me clarify, you don't have to put a whole lot of stock in this. This is my opinion, why I don't think there will be a nationwide revival in our land. And you, you might say, Man, oh, you of little faith. Now, let me just tell you some about my predictions. In the first Gulf War, while the bombs were dropping, I sat at my table and told my family, I don't think we're going to war in Iraq. Our neighbor boy, Andy Klobnock, came over and knocked on the door and said, Did you hear we're dropping bombs on Iraq? It just come out of my mouth. I don't think we're going to go to war with Iraq. Another indication, the other night at soccer practice, I looked at the sky and said, hey, I think we're going to miss the rain. Ten minutes later, it was pouring down rain on us, okay? Now, I say all that to say, I pray that I'm wrong here. But I, I do believe, based on Scripture, that God has abandoned our nation. I know that God is an all-powerful God, that God can do anything He wants, and God can bring revival. But why I don't think there will be a revival is, number one, Christians don't want the truth. By and large, Christians don't want the truth. Case in point, did we rush out and say, man, it is God's will that I be hospitable. I'd better be doing it. No. We said, man, you smacked me in the face with that one. But I can take another blow. I'm back here tonight for another one. Now, that's really not your attitude, and I'm being facetious there. But you know what? We hear it, but don't do it. And most churches today aren't proclaiming the truth. Why? The reason why is because they have preachers that are more concerned about pleasing people than pleasing God. And until Christians have a heart for truth, my second point is churches don't preach the truth. I already, I already mentioned that. We... It is easy to fall into a feel-good religion, even in Bible-believing churches. Number three, we don't repent. When we hear the truth, do we repent? Do we turn? Is there repentance? God said, if my people would have hearkened unto me and walked in my ways. That means our first command is to repent the commands of Christ. It means to stop walking in my ways, 
to walk in God's ways. Repentance isn't a, isn't a doctrine that's taught, let alone embraced. And number four, why I don't think there will be revival, is because of God's prophetic timetable. That our nation is not a major player in, in God's prophetic timetable. There is going to be a one-world government. There is going to be a one-world religion. There is going to be a one-world currency. And, um, and the United States has stood in the way of that. And uh, our nation is not going to prevent that. Now, I understand God can, God can delay His... It may not be delay. If God does it, it's not a delay. It's God's coming may not be for another hundred years. But we're seeing the shadows of things that He said would be taking place after His coming. We're seeing the shadows of those falling on us even now. And God said in, in 2 Timothy in the last days, Men will not endure sound doctrine. They'll heap to themselves teachers, teaching them what they want to hear. And evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Now, you say, man, this is a pretty discouraging thought that you're bringing us tonight. I want to close with five things that despite what... what I think may happen five things that I can do. Number one, I can trust God. Do you know what? I can, I can have personal revival. I can trust God. Number two, I can do what is right. There is no one stopping you or me from doing what is right. And I think sometimes Satan stops us and, and we're wringing our hands about all the evil that is around. Well, yes, there's evil all around, but at least make sure there's evil not in your heart. And that you and I do right. And, and maybe there is a soul that you can touch and make a difference in. And that one can touch someone else. And that one can touch... I believe God desires revival. I believe God would love to bring pockets of revival. But see, regardless of that, I can trust God. I can do right. I can be a light, number three, in the midst of darkness. And, and you live in places and you work in places that, that evil abounds. You need to see that. I'm a missionary here. I am bringing light to darkness. And you need to make sure your light is bright and that it is charged up. And you go in there with your 3 million watt thing and you just blaze the light wherever you can. See, wherever the darkness is, that's a great opportunity for light to be seen. And you might say, well, I don't have a three million watt. Well, it doesn't matter. If you have a candle, you take a candle into darkness, it commands attention. And it makes a difference. It enlightens. It, it um, gives direction. 
Regardless, I can trust God. I can do what is right. I can be a light. Fourthly, I can be faithful. I can keep doing what is right. And whether it produces results or not, you can keep doing what is right. I want to be faithful. I want to be true. I want to be faithful in all that I do. And we need to have that mentality. God, I am, I am committed to you no matter what happens. I mean, we've been going over in Baptist history, these that have given their lives for the cause of Christ. Their commitment was, God, I want to be faithful. Yeah, but it's not going the way I want. I, I'm called to trust God, to do what is right, to be a light, to be faithful. And then lastly, praise God, I can be victorious. In just realizing, you know what? Yes, we live in a land that really, I believe, has been abandoned by God. I believe God has said, you want to go your own way? Go for it. And we are picking up speed. But God says, I always have a remnant. And ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Being overcomers. The, the Greek word there is the word Nike. It means to triumph over. And in Romans 8, he says we are more than conquerors. It's hypernikeo is the word that he uses in the Greek. Nike didn't come around when the shoe company decided, let's make a shoe and call it. And you probably didn't know that it means to be an overcomer. But God developed that and he said, I designed you to be hyper overcomers. Overwhelmingly, stomp them in the ground. I mean, not just eke out a victory. Be more than conquerors. Those martyrs that, that gave their lives, they victoriously gave their life for the cause of Christ. It's not just, I'm, I'm hoping to limp into heaven. Oh boy, praise God, victory in Jesus. It's marching on to victory. It's being strong in faith, although everything around us may be crumbling. And God may have abandoned this nation. He hasn't abandoned you as a believer. And He will not abandon you as a believer. And He's called you to be a light. And He's called you to be victorious. It is important that we understand the times. See, as I've said before, what we're dealing with now is not the issue. The issue is we did not like to retain God in our knowledge. And so God gave us over to sexual immorality. And the things, thank God, we don't know all the gross immorality that goes on. And then He gave us over to degrading passions. And then He robbed us of a reasonable mind. He didn't rob us of it. He gave us over. Sin destroys the mind. 
Sin makes you so you can't think properly. Sin destroys, but God has given us the victory. And he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to realize the urgency of the hour that we live in, help us to realize the times and to be able to be the light that you want us to be, to, to joyfully trust you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful and to walk in the victory of you. Lord, I pray that you would deal in we as believers' hearts and minds tonight. Lord, I pray that we would have a desire for truth whether it's what we want to hear, Lord, that we would have a desire for You and Your ways. And Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful to You. Lord, I pray Your Spirit would specifically show each and every one of us tonight the next step of obedience that You want us to take. And Lord... I pray that you would bring a working of revival in our personal lives, in our families, in this church body, in this community. And Lord, we're not, we're not saying that you certainly cannot. But Lord, it, we need a heaven-sent mighty working of you in our hearts and lives and it's not like we need you to do anything. God, you're waiting for believers to do something. And I pray that you would find in us repentant hearts for your honor and glory. Lord, we desire to be found faithful. And we desire that through the power and the name and the blood of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.